Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Every Square Inch. My name is Robert Cunningham, and this podcast is my outlet to opine on cultural issues as a Christian minister. Let me just take a moment to say thank you so much for your support. I intentionally don't track the, you know, quote, quote, success of the podcast, but I I can tell by the emails and uh, social media messages and even letters in the mail um, that it has reached a wider audience than I ever could have imagined. We don't do the conventional promotional stuff that you're supposed to do to grow a podcast. Uh, There are rules to follow if you want to build an audience, and we have not followed any of those rules. So uh, what that means is this has grown almost exclusively organically. So um, I have you to thank for that. Thanks for sharing it with others, sharing it on social media, rating it, reviewing it, all that stuff. I just want to say thank you as we reached uh, 50 episodes. Now, if you are a regular listener, then you know I typically discuss things taking place in our world, but occasionally I do use this platform for in-house Christian conversations, speaking directly to Christians about an issue within the family of believers. So, for example, I recorded an episode on why your pastor needs a sabbatical, not necessarily a culturally relevant topic, but I wanted it to be a resource for churches to use, and um, I still get messages from pastors who were granted sabbatical because their church got a hold of the podcast, which makes me happy. Well, this podcast is one of those. I am going to say what pastors and church leaders across our country are all wanting to say and I hope it'll be a resource for many. And certainly to my TCPC friends, I'm saying it, um, I guess, to you primarily, and then if other churches are able to use it, that's great. So here's what I want to say to my church community, and if you're not a part of our community, I guarantee it's what your leadership wants to say, and it's this. It is time to come back to church. Let me give you my very important caveat. If you are a senior, immune-compromised, underlying conditions, if you have a reason why you do not feel safe or even comfortable returning to church, then please hear me sincerely say it is truly okay for you to continue to wait this out at home. Ironically, in my experience, this demographic is actually longing to get back to church. And as soon as they do feel it is safe, they're coming back. So you are actually not my target audience here at all. My target audience are those the elderly and compromised envy, those healthy folks going about every other activity in our world while neglecting the activity of all activities in person, corporate worship. So to Christians who have gone back to life as normal, with the noticeable exception of church attendance, I say this. It's time to go back to church. There are not many areas where I feel comfortable binding your conscience. This is one of them. If you are a follower of Jesus, it's time for you to gather again with your brothers and sisters in Jesus to worship your Jesus. During the height of the Civil Rights Movement, Birmingham, Alabama, early morning, September 15, 1963, a package was placed under the stairs of 16th Street Baptist Church. Later on that same morning, when the church was now filled with African-American Christians, the package exploded. It was placed right above a basement Sunday school class. 
where the children of the church were gathered, listening to a Sunday school lesson entitled, of all things, Love That Forgives. And four precious girls were killed. This, of course, became known as the infamous 16th Street bombing, which proved a turning point in the civil rights movement. But here's the question I want to ask you. Why did they bomb the church? There are many more bombings throughout the 60s, and by and large, they were all churches. Not schools, not homes, not parks, not black restaurants and bars. It was always the church. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because the civil rights movement was forged in the sacred fire of black congregations. The black community came together on the Lord's Day to sing their songs about God's steadfast love and faithfulness, to be fed by rousing sermons about God's promises, to give their money to the work of God's missions. It was the church that brought their community together, strengthened and fed their community, empowered their community with audacious love, and sent them forth to do justice and love mercy in a world of cruelty. The church bombings were profound statements about the uniqueness of church. If we can stop their gatherings, we will stop their movement. It's the same reason communist states couldn't care less if there are Christians in their country, but they will not tolerate churches. Just don't let them gather because the power is found in the gathering. And now here we find ourselves shut down, not by bombings or a tyranny of the state, but by a pandemic. It was appropriate to do so. Our church did it. But as we emerge, my concern is that churches across our land remain empty, not because of fear, but because of complacency. Now listen, I get it. You're out of the habit. It's easier to stay home and just watch online. But in this podcast, I want to do my best to help us understand and appreciate the unique significance, power, and blessing that is found in church attendance in gathering together every week for worship. I want to argue that church is the God-ordained means of preserving, protecting, growing, and empowering the Christian, that there is something unique, a unique significance and effectiveness in going to church. Now, what do I mean when I say unique? Well, it starts with the preached word that every Christian worship service includes. Hebrews tells us the word of God is alive and active. Now, on the other side of the printing press and high literacy rates, we interpret a verse like that exclusively through the lens of you reading your Bible. Now, that is not a bad application. I think you should read your Bible every day for the rest of your life. But you need to know this is a relatively new interpretation. The original audience and throughout much of church history would have interpreted that as the public reading and preaching of God's Word. Throughout church history, God has chosen, called, trained, anointed, and ordained ministers to explain and apply the Scriptures to God's people. Again, because everyone has a Bible and can read their Bible, the importance of this has drastically diminished, and we suffer from it. You need to read your Bible. But more than anything, you need to sit under the preaching of God's Word. Our church's confession, the Westminster Confession of Faith, includes this catechism question. How is the Word made effectual? That's an interesting question. How does the written Word of God do its thing, in other words? How does it become alive and active in an effective way? 
Here's how the Catechism answers that question. The Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the Word, an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort. It's the reading, but especially the preaching. There is something uniquely powerful when the ordained minister preaches the word to you. If you made me choose between your daily devotions or weekly sitting under your pastor's preaching, give me the latter. Thankfully, we don't have to choose. You ought to do both. But if forced to choose, I would prefer preaching every time. But it's not just preaching. How about singing? Something else every church does. Listen to this verse. God inhabits the praise of his people. Singing praises to God is a good thing simply because he is worthy of our praise. But did you know that God is uniquely experienced when we gather to sing? His presence is always with you, but his presence is there in a special measure when we gather to praise him together. And how about just being together? Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I will be with them. This often misinterpreted verse is his promise to us that when we gather together in his name, he draws near to us in a special way. That diverse gathering of believers, young and old, rich and poor, cultures, ethnicities, it is a uniquely special experience with Jesus. A church service is the closest thing you are going to get to heaven on earth because God promises to be there with us in our midst. How about the sacraments? This is the promise to us who partake of communion. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that is a unique proclamation. You proclaim the Lord's death. That's what our weary souls need more than anything else. Stumbling, often faltering followers of Jesus need to be told, need it proclaimed to them again and again and again and again that yes, Jesus died for me. Well, that is proclaimed to you through the mystery of the sacrament in a way you will find nowhere else. If for no other reason, come to church to take communion and be convinced for another week, that yes, Jesus has died for you. Now, I'm just choosing those elements that are common to nearly all church traditions. For my TCPC friends, I could talk about the power, the unique power in confessing our creeds every week, that that reaffirmation of what we believe, the re-anchoring of our faith. I could talk about confessing our sins and, and hearing the assurance of pardon, I could talk about being sent forth with the raised hands of a benediction. From beginning to end, worship is a feast, a buffet of God's grace to God's people. So let us keep the feast. Now, I know what you might be thinking. This sounds good in theory, but not experientially. When I do come to church, I don't experience this unique power that you speak of. Well, that's because we in our overstimulated society measure power and effectiveness in only one way. Am I moved? Are my emotions stirred? Did I have that mountaintop experience? 
Well, as much as I enjoy those Sundays that yield the mountaintop, that's actually not how we are changed. We all love those amazing meals, an anniversary dinner out at a nice restaurant, a Thanksgiving feast together with family, getting all your friends together for maybe a dinner party. We love those meals, and rightfully so. They're amazing. But you are nourished and kept alive by the countless, forgettable, mundane meals throughout your days. And this is how it is with gathered worship. We love those Easter Sundays, for example. But it's the week after week, disciplined routine of coming to be fed by the means of grace that nourishes our souls. It's a slow, methodical change that you aren't even noticing. But all the while, you are growing in Christ. But I'll tell you how you will notice. Stop coming. You stop eating those mundane meals and you will quickly notice just how important they truly are. Stop coming to church and you will see for yourself how significant it is. And I think many of you are experiencing that right now. To those Christians who, because of the pandemic, just got out of the habit of coming to church and you have yet to reprioritize it in your life, here's my question for you. How's that working out for you? How's it going? How's your life? How's your soul? your marriage, your family? How's your peace and joy? How is your life working without church? Friends, you are starving. Your heart is growing hard. Your desires are running dry. Your besetting sins are taking over again. You are drifting into a spiritual malaise, and perhaps you're wondering why. I will tell you why. You stop going to church. You cut yourself off from the God-ordained means of preserving, protecting, and growing you as a Christian. And please do not give me the, well, I watch online response. Come on, you know that's no substitute. And now it's something. I bless God for that technology, especially for those who truly can't be with us and need that live stream. But you know it's not the real thing. And what an insult to those who have to use the technology but long to be back in church for those who could be back in church to just relegate themselves to the technology. I was recently overseas. And let me tell you, I wore out my cell phone FaceTiming my kids. It was my lifeline while I was away and bless God for it. But could you imagine if I came home and their real immediate presence was there for me to enjoy, but I went into the other room and called them up on FaceTime? That's what we're doing when church is now available, but we choose instead to watch it stream on a screen. Now, besides, even even if the online thing were sufficient, which it is not, but even if it were, what if coming to church wasn't even about you? I've, I've talked all about the benefits of coming to church, but I haven't even addressed the number one reason you should come to church. We call it worship for a reason. What if God wants you there to worship Him. You do not come to church as a passive recipient. You are an active participant. Your God wants you to be a part of His gathering to praise His name. So, yes for your sake, but more so for His name. Come back to church. September 22nd, 1963. The week after the 16th Street bombing. Tensions are 
as high as they're going to get in the 60s. But it's Sunday morning. I'm sure people urge the members to at least take a week off, but it's Sunday morning. And so members of 16th Street Baptist Church got up. The men put on their best suits and shined their shoes. The women put on their Sunday dresses, white gloves, and stylish hats. Children's clothes were ironed, girls' hair braided, boys' shirts tucked in, and they went to church to sing their songs, pray their prayers, give their money, feast upon God's word, indeed, to worship their God. This was the generation of churchmen and churchwomen who changed the world. And brothers and sisters, it's time for us to go back to church. I repeat my caveat, no shame or guilt toward those with legitimate concerns who cannot attend. It truly is okay to wait this out. But for the majority of us, going about our normal lives throughout the week, it is past time for us to go to church. Thanks for listening. We will be back soon for another episode of Every Square Inch, and we will see you on Sunday for worship.